Good morning. We're going to be continuing to read through Hebrews. We're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 1 to 6 this morning. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Morning. Happy New Year. I think it's the first time in my life where I've said the phrase Happy New Year and I'm wondering, is it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of this looming thing, isn't it? We, we say Happy New Year and I think we say it more hopefully. I, I hope that it's a Happy New Year. Uh, but it's this type of uh, time of year, I just heard even in the corridors that we kind of sit back and reflect and, and we start to think about how can I start to, to make a little bit of happiness for my life in the new year, we call that uh, our New Year's resolutions. We start to think about what can I do in my life to shift things around, to just make it a bit more comfortable, a bit more happier than, than what I had in the last year. I'd say that's what the goal of most of our resolutions are. You see it start to get posted on social media. You know, maybe it's you got your new fitness goal that you want to achieve for the year that'll make you happier. You've got your new way that you want to excel in work or study. Maybe there's a new relationship that you want to dive into or the, the toxic people that you want to push out or it's just all about self-care. Whatever it is for you, because this year you want it to be better than it was last year. And the 1st of January is as good as a day as any to kind of start getting that done. Now, there's nothing wrong with making, you know, some life adjustments to, to make life better for you, providing it doesn't break the laws of God. Uh, but, oh, I've lost my form, sorry. I think in Christianity, there can be uh, malforms of Christianity, I guess, that kind of get a bit morbid and believe that all of life is supposed to be uh, difficult or, or, or hard because you follow Jesus. But Jesus actually promises us, look, if you take my yoke upon you, if you take my way of life, it is more peaceful, it is, it is more restful actually than all that the world can offer you if you want to go and live like the rest of them. What I can give you is actually more happiness and more peace and more joy. And we as Christians, we should expect that from God because where does all joy, where does all happiness, where does all goodness come from? It 
comes from our Lord. He's the creator of it. He created us for joy, goodness, and happiness and all these things. So we should find them ultimately always in him. And in Hebrews, where we, where we are this morning, we're going to also see that for following Jesus, for being faithful to the will of God, it's going to bring a lot of pain and it's going to bring a lot of suffering that unbelievers, people who will not follow God, will never experience in life. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus says, I promise if you take my yoke upon you, it is easy, it is light. In other words, unyoke yourself from the world and take me upon you. Take my ways upon you. But at the same time, Scripture will also say you will go through, maybe not more suffering, but different forms of suffering because you hold to the confession of me. You can simultaneously experience both these things. When I was an electrician in TAFE, my old TAFE teacher used to always tell me, people are like electricity. They always go the path of least resistance. If you don't know that about electricity, that's what it does. Christians are not supposed to fit this model that we take the course of life that is easiest to minimize suffering or pain for the sake of hopefully getting or attaining more happiness for us. We do what is most faithful. And that is what the heart, I guess, of the message is going to be this morning. Christian lives are supposed to be so caught up in and prioritizing the glory of God here in this world through their faithful obedience to God's will. Therefore, to suffer for walking with Jesus comes as a joy to the Christian and not as something to try and throw off. So let me ask you the big question. It's the big question of your New Year's resolution. If you're one of those people, I know that I am. Is your life goal, or is your New Year's resolution goal, to have anything orientated towards the idea of making the glory of God known in this world? Oh, hey, Catherine, I've got a cousin here. I didn't see her. Is any of your New Year's goals or your life goals orientated to making the glory of God, the presence of God known here in this world? Because that is what a Christian's life is for and we'll come to that so today in the passage what we are going to do because it's what the author says to do is we are going to consider Jesus our apostle and high priest that's confessed by scripture so we're going to weigh up the life of Jesus and consider why did he endure in suffering and temptations and then we are going to contemplate our own lives the four dominant themes that we're going to look at is suffering faithfulness, glory, and hope. And each one of these themes is going to be attached to the four points that we look at this morning. So the purpose of the text and the purpose of my speaking to you this morning is to show that it is necessary for Christians to suffer in a holy suffering for faithfulness to God, but it's also sitting here to encourage us that we can endure in it with him. And the four points that I have connected to this, which is on the back, is God appoints you to be his holy people for faithful living. And so it's here we're going to learn why suffering takes place. Second point will be faithfulness brings glory to God. 
And it's here we'll, we'll see why Christians choose to suffer and not kind of throw that off. Three, we're going to look at how it's only through glorifying the Son that we glorify the Father. And so we'll learn in which way we do this. And then lastly, hope fuels faithfulness. It's what helps us endure in suffering and in temptation. The only other thing that I was going to mention here is temptation itself, but it's kind of wrapped up in suffering, so we'll look at that at the start. Uh, so before we enter God's word, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, help us to come with awe and reverence before your word this morning. Lord, that Sunday services are not the time in which we just perform the ritual rite, but it is the time that we humbly sit under you. Father, as I was reminded this week, would the meditation in my heart and what is on my lips be a blessing to you? Would it be a blessing to your children who hear it? And would it encourage them to keep in step with you and in step with the Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, point one, God appoints you to be his holy people for faithful living. Your first uh, question straight off the bat might be, Stephen, how does this have anything to do with suffering? It's a really good question, so well, thank you for asking it. We need to go back a couple of verses to understand the argument of, of what's going on now to read it in its, in its, what we call the literary context, what's the kind of verses surrounding it. And as pastor, or student pastor, Timothy McManus uh, expanded for us last week, it was necessary for, for Jesus to be God in, in his perfection, to offer a perfect sacrifice as high priest, and it was necessary for him to be fully human to be like us so that he could mediate this new covenant in which we come into. And the way in which he did this was he gave himself up for us, for our sins upon the cross. And so God's will for Jesus's life was to go through suffering and he was faithful in his task and in his job. His atoning, that is, he appeased the wrath of God. God, atonement is a funny word, but it just means at one It makes you at one with God when Jesus atones for your sins. And he was faithful in his job. And so we are considering this path that Jesus took as high priest and apostle as God called him. Scripture says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Let's just pause there for a second. Scripture testifies to the doctrine that God calls sinful people out of their lives and makes them holy. He chooses you. You don't choose him. It is not your will that brings you out of sinful living, but it is God's will. I bring you out from your life and into mine. And now I call you as my holy possession. That, that word holy, it can be clean, right? We are cleansed by the blood of God, but holy can also be you're separated, you're apart. God has called you out of the world. You're still in the world, but you are no longer of it so that you might be my faithful people. Think about that for a second. It is on God's will that you are a Christian. 
that's the solid ground that we rest on as Christians. And God has called you out, brothers and sisters, to be holy and to be faithful to him. You are not your own. You are God's. And the author wants us to consider this holy calling that we have come to. But before we consider ours, we consider Jesus. He says, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all of God's household. Jesus, the same thing. Jesus is appointed by God. What for? To be the high priest, as we just spoke about, and to be the apostle. An apostle is someone who is an authorized messenger sent by someone to deliver a message. Jesus came to tell people, look, salvation is found in the Son, in the Messiah, who will be crucified for sins, who will rise on the third. He told this message over and over again to his disciples. But he is not just the apostle, he is also the high priest. He is not just speaking, this is the way of salvation, but I am the salvation, I am bringing it. And Jesus, being faithful in his task, went to the cross. Now, this word faithfulness, it's, it's loyalty. It's loyalty to God despite the obstacles and being obedient to him. Think of faithfulness in, in marriage, right? God appoints you. We believe marriage comes from God. God appoints you to be husband. God appoints you to be wife. And your faithfulness is displayed in your loyalty to your spouse. Likewise, your faithfulness to God is determined by your loyalty to live according to the heavenly calling that God has given you. Now, if Jesus, our Savior, had to display faithfulness to God the Father, then this means that there was opportunity for him to be disloyal. There was opportunity for him to be unfaithful, which is precisely what the author of Hebrews is just saying before the text we're in. He says, therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he, excuse me, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. God's will for Jesus as high priest brought intense suffering. But note here that this is not the type of suffering that scripture is talking about right now. You see, God's will for us is not to suffer in the same way that Jesus suffered upon the cross. That was a path only he could take. He suffered for our sins. But where we are called to be like Jesus in the way that God calls us is we are to suffer under our temptations to want to disobey the will of God. That's the suffering the text is talking about. Jesus suffered when he was tempted. You can take him when he was in the desert with the devil. Real suffering. Take him before one of his best friends said, no, no, Jesus, you don't have to go the way of the cross. It's temptation. Maybe I can find a way out of this. But Jesus was faithful in his holy calling. And so what I want to do now is screw down on, on what I'm saying when I say the word suffering 
for the rest of the sermon because I'm talking about what I'm going to term holy suffering. You see, there are many reasons that we suffer, isn't there? You suffer because people are evil. They can be really horrible to you and it's unwarranted. That can be a way that you suffer. You can suffer because you're evil. You do stupid things and it leads to your own demise. You can suffer because creation's broken, right? Your, your health declines, you experience pain, weather is trash and it, and, it, and it can take away human life. Things like this. These are types of suffering, but these are all types of suffering that all people experience, all people go through. But the type of suffering, the holy suffering that only Christians go through is a suffering for faithfulness to God's will. This only the Christian experiences. And they suffer because they choose not to do their desires or their temptations, but to live for God. The sinful nature of me, the sinful nature of you, is constantly being tempted by the world, by the enemy, by our own stupid and selfish wants. And if we give in to them, we rebel against God and we become unfaithful. And there's a huge warning coming next week about what happens when we do that. You see, the problem with the church that the author in Hebrews is talking to is he notes two things that they're doing. This comes from chapter 10. You're willfully going back into sin. You are willfully going back to your old life. Don't do that. And number two, you're starting to shrink back from your faith in Jesus. That people are too scared of going through suffering and so they're starting to lose the confession of faith in Christ. I'm going to minimize my suffering. If I minimize my suffering for Jesus, then life can get easier for me. But he says, if you do that, you're becoming unfaithful. There is a real threat to drifting away from God because we want to be more comfortable. Is the priority this year to be faithful to Jesus as God has called you? Denying what the flesh desires, which is the path of least resistance, and living for the will of God. Because this is what God called you to. He made you holy for this purpose. Not falling back into the old life where we believe the temptation is too strong and not shrinking back from suffering for the sake of doing the will of God, but being the people that God has called us to be. You might have reservations about what I'm saying. You might be thinking to yourself, what possible good can come for me having to endure suffering? Right? Doesn't God want us to be happy? Isn't that his top priority? Well, that'd be convenient because that would be our top priority too. The question depends on what we believe the goal of our lives is for and what we believe the goal of Jesus' ministry was for, which is point number two, and that's where we'll move now. Faithfulness brings glory to God. Our goal as Christians in this life is to bring glory to God. That was the goal of Jesus, to bring glory to God. And he did that through suffering and temptations in faithfulness. We are to do likewise. 
Scripture here is going to contrast Jesus from Moses. In the first part, he likens him to Moses and says he was faithful just as Moses was faithful, but now he contrasts Moses from Jesus, Jesus from Moses, to highlight for us who Jesus is and why faithfulness to God means following the way of Christ and suffering through temptations. The author writes this, Moses was faithful in all of God's household. This is a direct quote that comes from Numbers chapter 12 verse 3. When God was in the, well, sorry, when Israel was in the wilderness, Moses' uh, brothers and, uh, brother and sister, uh, Aaron and Miriam, questioned Moses' faithfulness to God because he had married a woman who was not a Hebrew. She wasn't an Israelite. And, and the, this brother and sister, they believed they had just as much right to, to lead Israel because they also had the, the spirit of prophecy laid upon them as well. And so they were trying to tarnish their brother's ministry a little to hopefully get a bit more power, a bit more esteem to lead Israel. And so they accused Moses of unfaithfulness because he married a a non-Hebrew woman. However, when they brought the accusation, Moses didn't fight back. That's the passage where it says Moses is the most humble man in the world. And instead, he entrusted it all to God. And God personally comes down to all three of them to sort the mess out. And he looks at them, the brother and the sister, and he says, there is no prophet like Moses. He goes, I speak to people in visions, I speak to people in dreams, I speak to them in riddles. But to Moses, I speak to his face and I speak to him clearly. There is no one like him because I don't do this with anyone else. Moses is my faithful servant. Moses received the glory of God and like a servant, he dished that out to everyone. He led faithfully in the house of God. And in Hebrews 3 where we are, it said, but Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than even Moses. Just as a builder has more honor than the house, glory is a a word that describes God's presence and his activity, but it's not just his presence, but it's kind of the atmosphere. When he walks into the room, it brings weight. That's actually what the word glory in Hebrew means. It means weight. There's an awe, there's a trembling, there is a greatness in his word, in his presence, and in his works. Can you imagine seeing Moses with, with a, a cloth over his face, seeing a person with a cloth over their face, but it's shining through because they've been sitting in the glory of God. And the author says, Christ is more. There is more glory in Christ. You see, Moses was the means by which the people could communicate with God and receive God. But Jesus is greater than he. There is more communicated, there is more given through Christ. So there should be greater honor given to Christ, greater faithfulness, greater loyalty, greater respect. You know, that brother and sister, when they were sitting there speaking with Jesus, God gave Miriam leprosy and said, get out of the camp. And they said, no, God, please don't do this. Both the brothers pleaded on her behalf. And he said, why were you not scared? to talk against my servant. That's like spitting in my face. And just like that, you're going to go spend a week outside the camp 
and you can come back in after you've learnt your lesson. Now, if that is how Miriam was treated, what would it be like then to do this to Christ? To deny his supremacy, to deny his position that God has appointed him to. You see, Moses is like looking at the handiwork of God. It's like looking at the building, the scripture says. But when you look at Jesus, you're not looking at a building, you're looking at the person who built it. That's why scripture says every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. You see, people, you and I, the church, Moses himself, anyone that lives by faith, we are the handiwork of God. We're the building, so to speak. But Jesus is not the handiwork. He is the one doing the building. You're looking at the one that builds the temple of God. And he accomplished this through his faithfulness to the will of God. So now that we've kind of considered faithfulness and the glory, let's consider our own. Now we are his handiwork. He called us to be holy for the purpose of glorifying God and the Son. And this is achieved when we remain faithful in temptations and trials. That is why your suffering, so you're faithful in suffering, that's what it does, sorry, your faithfulness in suffering, it renders glory to God. It makes the weight, his presence and his works known in a world that does not know him. And that's the heart of the message. It's one of priorities. Is this our greatest concern? Is this what we revere more than anything else in our lives? To make the glory of God, the presence and the work of God known here in this world? Is that the heartbeat of WDBC? Is that the heartbeat of my individual life? Is that on my list stepping into 2022? If yes, then it is through faithful obedience to God's will that you will testify to God your Father. Now for all of you who are on board, you're like, yes, I gave my life to Christ. I am not my own, I am His. I am the new creation, made in His image, made to walk with God. That's all I want to do with my life. They're going to look a little bit at how to do this. And our next point, it's we glorify God when we give glory to the Son. Scripture says, Moses was a faithful servant in all of God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. God's word says that the purpose of Moses' faithfulness to God in everything, all his ministry, all his life work, Everything that's so spectacular about Moses, and it is spectacular, is doing one thing. It is testifying to Jesus. That's what it's doing. Christian faithfulness to God's will testifies, it gives testimony to the world. It's not just a personal faith, it's one that goes out. It testifies to Jesus and what he has done. And that gives glory to the Father. The Father is pleased. If you want to bring glory to him, then we testify to the son and what he has done for us. You see, when you do the will of God, when you forgive someone, 
instead of being tempted into seeking revenge against them. When you give to someone who can't give to you back, when you are tempted to be stingy with your money because you believe it's all yours, when you are tempted to gossip about people, but you choose not to do it and instead pray for those who hurt you, you do the will of God. But when we do the will of God, and our faithfulness, it's to testify to God, right? You know, I forgive you because I know that I have received forgiveness by God through Christ. Let your actions be a display and a testimony to what it is that God has done for you. I give double what you ask of me because my God is so merciful that I shouldn't have received anything from him and yet he gives me the riches of heaven. Let your faithfulness carry all the way through to the testimony of Jesus. He is the one who is building you. It is not yourself, but it is he working in you. We are like Moses. We are servants in the household. But Jesus is the son who sits over the whole house. We are under him. And if we are like him, we too will be this way. You see, when people look at us, when they look at the building, they should look at it and go, that's beautiful. How magnificent is the one who built it? How beautiful is the one who these people worship and serve at WDBC? We move into our last point. Are we going to do this in 2022? Are we going to listen to this message and feel good and go home? Or are we going to do something? Is there going to be longevity? Is something going to happen? This happens all the time in Bible studies, right? We learn all this really cool stuff and then it always comes to that point where it's like, does anything happen after here? Does anything change? Now, the only way that we're going to accomplish this, the only way that we are going to endure in suffering for doing the will of God is by having confidence and hope in Jesus. Confidence, right? That's what you need so that you don't become a coward when something opposes you for following God. And hope is what you need so that you can endure through it. Hope gives us endurance so that in suffering we might come out the other side and remain faithful. But confidence gives us the ability, the boldness to face the suffering in the very first place. Hope and confidence. And the author says we are his household if we hold on to the confidence and the hope in which we boast. So the really big question becomes, What's the boast of God's household? If we can't answer that, then what's our confidence and our hope in? This is what you need confidence and hope in so that you might endure suffering and not take the path of less resistance in 2022. We boast in Jesus. We proclaim that he is the son of God. 
that he is the divine, that he is the human, that we proclaim that he is the apostle, that salvation, that eternal life are given through the sacrifice of the son. And that is what brings us peace between us and God. That's our boast. And so our confidence, if I can go back to the beginning for a second, your confidence, my confidence is in the will of God. My confidence is in the Lord. Your confidence is in the Lord. That I am made right for no other reason but Jesus Christ, who came and saved me according to the will of God. That is all I have as confidence. If I for two seconds think my rightness, my atonement, or my at-one-ment with God was somehow given to me because I'm good, I'm going to fall over time and time and time and time again. And I'm going to be this blubbering mess that never does anything because I'm so scared that I'm not God's chosen one. God chose you. And he called you out of the world to be his holy possession, to be his holy people. You are made right on the basis of him. That is your confidence. And your hope in which you're going to endure through suffering, it's just as the song said, just as Christ suffered and died and was raised again, he has the same on offer for anyone else who will follow him in this same way. Romans 8 says, that if we share in his sufferings, we share in his glory. That's the hope that we have in Christians. If I choose to follow Christ and remain faithful to him, I am hopeful that I will be with him in the land of the living when he returns. That's my hope. I'll end us here. The author writes this to you to encourage you by reflecting on Christ. To encourage you to face suffering in temptation so that you will not depart from the will of God. And the encouragement is this. Jesus went through it and he was not overcome. And because he was not overcome, he is able to help you in your temptations. He is able to help you in your sufferings. That's the beauty. There is nothing that he, you have faced that he himself has not faced. And so there isn't anything in your life that he cannot help you through. You see, people will marvel at someone who chooses to suffer for God and do what's easiest or best for them. Because it raises the question straight away, why would you choose to do that? Why do you choose to live in a third world country preaching the name of Jesus when you could just live at home with all your family? Why do you choose to do that? And the secret is, they love God so much they want to be with him. And they know that they are with him when they are following the will of God for their life. Oh, how beautiful it is, how peaceful it is, how joyful it is, despite the circumstance for the Christian who walks with Jesus through the temptations and through the sufferings. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, give us a boldness in your Son. Give us a hope in your Son that he did die for our sins, making us right with you. That he did rise again on the third, that death has been defeated, that there is not just this life, but there is an eternity awaiting. Help us, Father, to not shrink back this year, but to step boldly into everything that you call WDBC into. Lord, would we testify this year to our family, would we testify this year to our friends, to our work colleagues about Jesus so that they might also join in glorifying you, Father, that they might taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, help us in your name. Amen.